I'll be reading from 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Who has a family member that people say you resemble, but you can't see it? Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. You can't see the resemblance. Well... It was like that with me and my older brother. We went to the same high school. People actually didn't even know that we were uh, related because in my mind, you know, we didn't look alike. And apparently, at that time, we didn't look alike either. But one day during lunch break, I heard a kid said, Mason? Mason? And I turned around. I said, yeah, I didn't know the kid. He said, you're Brian Mason's brother. I said, yes. He says, my goodness, you don't even look alike. But I heard the voice. I thought it was Brian. So I said, it has to be his brother. And I didn't think also, I didn't even think we sounded alike. Oh, growing up, I didn't think we sounded alike until I, you know, moved out, got my own place, got my, you know, phone, and in the old days they had the, you know, the old um, answering machine, and I'm recording the answering machine, and I, you know, recorded my voice, and then I played it by ice. Whoa, <laughs> why does that sound like Brian? <laughs> so I did it again. I was refusing to even accept that, so I did it again. I said, are you kidding me? And then, when we all moved out, and we were all in a different places, and we were calling home, at first I thought mom was just joking, but then I realized it was that bad. I would call, you know, hi mom. How are you doing? Uh, Jeff? No, it's Patrick. And I call again and, uh, 
Is that Brian? No, it's Patrick. And then I found out from my brothers that the same thing was happening to them. Even our mother couldn't figure out who was calling. We sounded that much alike. Well, it got really, really amusing when about four years ago, my two brothers and I had a conference telephone call. <laughs> And my mischievous brother Brian decided to say certain things, and Jeff thought it was me who was saying it, and he did the same to me. We didn't, e I, I couldn't even tell which brother was talking. Uncertainty. Sometimes it's humorous, but sometimes it could be quite serious. Have you ever been uncertain about a situation where uncertainty kind of takes over and almost overwhelms you, sometimes crippling you because you are so uncertain about something? Well, there's a story about a man named Paul who lived in Kingston, Jamaica. And, and you know, when, we, when I tell people, you know, I'm from Jamaica, oh, that's so nice, you know, Jamaica and the beaches. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm from the city of Kingston, which has a population of 1.6 million people. It has all the issues of a big city. Boston is probably larger than Boston in size and population all the drugs and all the crime. Matter of fact, Jamaica, Jamaica on the whole is in the Guinness Book of Records. We're very religious people. So we're in the Guinness Book of Records. Jamaica has the most amount of churches per square mile than any other nation on the face of this earth. Oh, Jamaica! Uh, we are also in the Guinness Book of Records. Sorry to say, we have the most amount of bars per square mile than any other nation on the face of the earth. We have a saying in Jamaica, you're either a saint or you ain't. <laughs> so a story about this guy named Paul who lived in Kingston. He invited his cousin to come to visit him. His cousin was from the countryside, where, you know, the countryside where you can, you know, back in the day you can just leave your door, front door open, not in Kingston, but in the countryside you can just leave your front door open and, you know, and knowing that his cousin was coming from a relatively crime-free environment in the countryside, he gave his cousin strict instructions about opening the front door to strangers. Paul was going out to buy some groceries, and he told his visiting cousin that he was expecting his friend, Tony, to stop by. But he was to make sure that it was Tony before he opened the door. So Tony came by and knocked on the front door. The cousin on the inside. Who that? Tony, not recognizing the voice from the inside, answered back. Who that? Well, the cousin said, Who that say who that? And Tony responded, Who that 
saying who that when I say who that? Because they're not willing to give in and determined to find out the identity of the person at the door, simply said, Who that say? Who that say who that when I say who that? Luckily, luckily Paul came back from the buying groceries and saved the day. When Paul opened the front door and his friend saw his cousin, he turned to Paul and said, who that? <laughs> See, uncertainty can be a scary thing. Uncertainty, and as, as a teacher, I've seen it. It can cause a student to freeze during an exam or write IDK. Know what that means? Yeah. Some students actually write that on, you know, uh, you know as an answer to a test. <laughs> you know, IDK. I don't know. <laughs> Uncertainty can lead to stress. Hypertension, high blood pressure, anxiety, even panic attacks. So the question I want to ask this morning is, have you ever questioned your faith? Have you ever questioned your belief in God? Or even your belief in a God? Have you ever questioned the fact that Jesus is the Christ? See, questioning may not be all that bad. If our questioning is driven by a deep desire to know God and to follow after Him, it can turn us to the Word of God. It can drive us to our knees and take us to a deeper place of submissive dependence and renewed belief. In the Savior. When a person submits to God, I mean, there's no half submission, there's no fractional submission. It's all or nothing. Amen? Amen. It's all or nothing. So when a person submits to God, I mean, totally give himself or herself over to God. There is an inner peace, a calm serenity, a quiet confidence, a blessed assurance that you know God in a most personal way. Amen. See, I'm not talking here about some new age experience. I'm not talking about some existential experience about some philosophical thought about life or death about some meditative understanding of self and the universe i'm talking about the reality of knowing god the reality of having god the creator of this universe the maker of heaven and earth the one eternal god who was and is and is to come the reality of having this god live within you Guiding your thoughts, 
changing your motives, purifying your intentions, giving you the ability to forgive, giving you the power to think beyond yourself and love others supremely instead of selfishly thinking of me, myself, and I, which we can all admit comes so natural to all of us. I didn't have to teach my boys to lie. <laughs> it, it seems like it just came natural. I had to teach them to tell the truth. Hmm. I didn't have to teach them to steal. I had to teach them to respect the property of others and to be honest. I didn't have to teach them to be dishonest. It's, it, it seems there is a propensity, there is a, a tendency, a leaning towards sin. That is the carnal nature. But when we are overwhelmed by the presence of God, when we are infused by the Spirit of God, He changes our way of thinking. He changes our hearts. He purifies our intentions. Amen. Amen. But how can you be certain? How can you be certain that you, you know? And it's like, you know that you know? <laughs> How can you be so certain? Yes, it takes faith. You know, we've been hearing sermons from the epistle of 1 John. Well, you know, if I mention Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5 is known as the Sermon on the Mount. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is known as the love chapter. Amen? Yeah, come on, we know it. It's a love chapter. Then the epistle of 1 John should be known as the assurance book. Hmm. Throughout the book, the apostle John is constantly combating the temptation of uncertainty. He continually reminds believers that the blessed assurance that Jesus is mine is a desired and attainable experience. Listen to some of his words that he wrote to us. And as I read, listen for that key word. By this, we can be sure that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Chapter, three, chapter 2, verse 3. But if anyone keeps his word, the love of God has been truly perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Chapter 2, verse 5. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I have written to you, children, because you know the heavenly Father. Chapter 2, verse 13. You, however, have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Chapter 2, verse 20. 
I have not written to you because you lack knowledge of the truth, but because you have it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Chapter 2, verse 21. If you know that he is righteous, you can know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Chapter 2, verse 29. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Chapter 3, verse 2. But you know that Christ appeared to take away sin. Chapter 3, verse 3. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Verse 14. By this we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. Verse 16. And by this we will know that we belong to the truth. Verse 19. And by this we know that he remains in us by the spirit he has given us. Verse 24. By this you will know the spirit of God. Chapter 4, verse 2. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Chapter 4, verse 6. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Chapter 4, verse 4. By this we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. Verse 13. If anyone confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God, and we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. And finally in verse 5. Chapter 5, sorry, verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Folks, if you're not convinced <laughs> that we can know for certainty that we are saved, that we are children of God, go back and read the entire <laughs> epistle of 1 John. It's the book of assurance. Amen. Amen. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Which commandments? John has already told us. And in chapter 3, verse 23, he states, And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and we should love one another just as he commanded us. I raised two boys and I learned a couple child rearing techniques from my dad. I mean, he died when I was still middle teenager. But in growing up, I remember some things. And what my dad did to me as a young child, I did to my sons growing up all the way. Because they're six and a half years apart, I spoke to them separately. But I sat them down you know, as they were you know, four, five, six years of age. And I said, I said, Kevon, Colin, as your dad, I'll make you a promise of what I expect of you. 
I will never ask you to do anything bad. I'll never ask you to do anything that's evil. And, 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 and just to make sure that they understood, I say, I will always ask you to do what is good. I'll always ask you to do what is right. That's number one. I said, secondly, I will never ask you to do something that's impossible. I said, it may be difficult, but I'll never put late on you. I will never lay something on you that you are not able to do. That's what my father did to me. I think it worked somewhat. I turned out okay. But I told my boys that. Two things. I'll never ask you to do anything that's evil. I'll never ask you to do anything that's impossible. Which means I'll always ask you to do something that's good. And I'll always ask you to do something that's possible. And I said, I wonder where dad got that from. He didn't have the opportunity to ask him. But I drew, I drew my own conclusion. I said, dad probably got that from the way he sees his heavenly father dealing with him. Come on now. If you think about it, God will never ask us to do anything that's evil. God will always ask us to do what is righteous. God will always ask us to do what is good. And God will never ask us to do something that's impossible. That gives me a little bounce in my step. <laughs> That gives me a little wake up in the morning. You know, I can wake up and I can know that God is not going to burden me down with something that's going to crush me. Instead, he's going to build me up. No, it might be difficult. And I might go through a storm. I might go through the valley of the shadow of death. But he is with me. Woo! He will never leave nor forsake. Amen. Verse 3 and verse 4 of chapter 5 tells us, And his commandments are not burdensome. Oh. Mm. Because everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen. Notice John says that God's commandments are not burdensome. He doesn't explain it here, but we know that the commandments of men are heavy and burdensome. 
Jesus spoke to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And he spoke about them and he said, They tie up heavy, cumbersome load and put them on other people's shoulder, but they themselves are not even able to lift a finger to move them. Creating laws, creating cumbersome, creating heavy burdens and laying them on people and they themselves can't even do it. God commands are not burdensome. Amen. Hear what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Picture this. Picture a a dad riding a, a bike. But it's not a regular bike. It's a bicycle built for two. <laughs> and behind the dad is his six or seven year old son or daughter. And their pedals are going. But who is doing the work? Yes. Who is actually doing the work? Dad. That's the modern day version of this particular scripture. For when it says my yoke is easy and my burden is light... He was referring to a practice of putting a yoke not just on a mature oxen, but on a, the second part of the yoke would be on a very young oxen. A baby in training. Plowing the fields. But the little Little oxen is not pulling, it's not, it's not pulling his weight. It's a bigger and stronger oxen who is actually doing the plowing. He's just going on for the ride, pretty much. <laughs> He's learning and going for the ride. And when Jesus says, My my yoke is easy. He was talking about that. He was saying, I am the big oxen and you're the trainee. I am the big oxen and you're the little one. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. But it can only be that way if we lay our burdens at the cross. If we lay our burdens at the foot of Jesus. 
then and only then can we be absolutely certain, can we be absolutely sure. Mm. Years ago, I heard a story about a young man brought up in church, did well in high school, went off to college. And as he went off to college, you know, he would write his mom every week. God's been blessing me this week, Mom. I did real fine in an exam. Did real fine in a quiz. He helped me through a paper. And, and as, the, as the weeks turn into months, the months turn into a couple of years, the son's mention of God got less and less. Oh, he still wrote his mom, but pretty soon his letters had no mention of God at all. So he came home after his junior year, came home for the summer. And mom said, Tony, I notice in your letters you haven't mentioned anything about God recently. It's just been less and less about God. And he says, Mom, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about all this. And I, I'm saying, Mom, Really? That's kind of like a fairy tale thing now, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm educated. That's like a, that's like a fairy tale, you know. This, this, this belief in God. It says, Mom, 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 can you, can you see God? No, son. He said, Mom, 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 can you, can you reach out and, and touch God? Like how I can reach out and touch you. Can you reach out and touch God? No, son. Then how, how can you know? How can you be so certain that this God exists? And, and the mom says, because deep down I, I, I sense, deep down I sense, deep down, it's not just a feeling, but it's a, it's a quiet you know, assurance. It's, it's just a certainty. I can't explain it. But I just know that God is real. Uh, he, he just kind of 
Said, yeah, sure, Mom. God has a unique way of teaching us lessons. That night, Mom heard her son crying out. He even called, Mom! She ran into his bedroom, says, Tony, what, what's, what's the matter? Can't take it, Mom. What, what's, what's happened? I don't know if it's an abscess, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I got this terrible toothache. And Mom said, Tony, how do you know you have a toothache? Say, Tony, can you reach out and touch that toothache? <laughs> no, mom, 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 come on, come on. Give me some medication. Give me some, give me a painkiller for this. He says, son, can you reach out? Answer me. Can you reach out and touch that toothache? Okay, okay, no, mom, no, mom. He says, can you see? She says, can you see? Can you see that toothache, son? He said, Mom, 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 come on. He says, no, answer me. Can you see that toothache, Mom? He said, no, 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 Mom. How do you know it's real? <laughs> Mom, it's not just a feeling. It's, 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 it's excruciating. It's just, I, it's, 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 it's in my inner, it's just, I feel it. It's, but it's more than a feeling, Mom. It's just, it's there. And I know it, I can't explain it. And she said, Son, the faith you have in that toothache, God needs you to have the faith in Him. <laughs> if we are committed to God, Loving God is not burdensome. Because like the father riding the bike with his son or daughter behind him, or the oxen, pulling the weight for the little oxen, The commandment of God is to love God, but it's also to love your brother, to love your sister. Loving your brother and loving your sister is not burdensome. Yeah, I, I know there are people who don't really mesh. Come on, I know that. And we're going to figure out who we mesh easily with and who we don't. As we intertwine and as we get to get to know each other better amen? amen yeah as we get to know each other better we're gonna you know there are gonna be things that i do that kind of rub you the wrong way then you know that's that's we don't have to be best friends that's not what love is love is desiring the best for the other person in spite of <laughs> 
Love is the ability to rejoice when that person has victory, when that person has a blessing. That's love. Because we think that love is weeping with those that weep. Uh uh. Uh uh. No. That's empathy, and there's a difference. Because I've seen people who can't take each other, and they can't take the sight of each other, but one person goes through a devastating tragedy, and the other person goes, even gives them a, a hug, and, and, and even begin to feel their sorrow. That's, that's, that's not the test of love. The true test of love is, can you celebrate when your brother is, is, you know, gets a blessing? Can you celebrate when a sister gets a promotion? Can you celebrate? And, 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 and this promotion didn't come to you? <laughs> That's the test of true love. Not just that you can weep with those that weep, but you can rejoice with those that rejoice. So how can we know? Faith. Faith in Christ. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. When it seems hard to love, Jesus invites us to come to him and walk with him as a young ox would walk with a fully mature oxen doing the work of plowing. Jesus invites us to come with him and to, because he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is The assurance of knowing God is given by God. No, 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 understand this. The assurance doesn't come from us. The assurance of knowing God is given by God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. The water. <coughs> Excuse me. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Testimony of the water. Ethiopian eunuch. When he was ministered to and the gospel was presented, you know, he said, passing a little pond, he said, here is water. What's hindering me? What's stopping me from being baptized? Here is water. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, verse 16. The blood. Romans chapter 5. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Oh, the blood. <laughs> the blood still has power 
to change lives today. Still has power. And I believe that with all my heart. You know, the, the, <laughs> there's a story of, and an agnostic who challenged a man of faith to a debate. And the man of faith said, sure. Is it okay if we bring some people with us? Not to say, sure, you could bring as many people as you want. Ain't going to make a difference. He says, actually, I would like to, I'd like to challenge you to do this. I'd like you to bring all the people that you know that agnosticism has changed their lives and have saved their lives. You know, all the people that you know that, you know, you know agnosticism have, have, have done this wonderful thing for them and changed their lives. Bring them in and they can testify about, you know, your, your belief or non-belief. Because I intend to bring people who, whose life has been changed by God. <laughs> whose lives have been changed who were drug addicts, who are no longer drug addicts, who were drunkards, who are no longer drunkards, who were thieves, who are no longer thieves, who were simply, you know, brought up right, but uh, didn't really, you know, you know, wasn't really walking the right way. Now they are walking the right way. All, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to bring, you know, hordes of people. You can put a max. Put a max on it if you want. Put a limit. Because, you know, I, I don't think this room is large enough for all the witnesses that I'm going to bring. <laughs> oh. And, of course, the agnostic backed out after that challenge. The water, the blood, and the spirit... The scripture says the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Isn't that a beautiful thing? The spirit himself testified with our spirit that we are God's children. I jokingly, uh, you know, our school has a daycare and I Jokingly told the daycare after two incidences, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm staying away from daycare, I'm sorry. And the incidences were pretty comical. I was, you know, walking down the hallway near the end of the day, you know, and there's a door at the end of the hallway, you know, with the daycare section. And a daycare worker was standing by the door and she had about three or four little kids around her. And... One little boy saw me coming and he says, Daddy, Daddy! And, and you know, I, you know I, I was walking, so I, you know, I turned and I looked and I was the only person in the hallway. And the closer I got is the louder that kid got, Daddy, Daddy! And he even put out his hand like that. No, no, no. The interesting thing is, you know, I, I know I'm light-skinned for an African-American guy, but, you know, I'm not white. This kid was white. 
And the daycare worker just, the daycare worker just simply said, you know, she said, um, you know, um, I think his name was Everell. Everell, you know, Everell, that's not your daddy. You know that's not your daddy. That's not your daddy. Strange thing was, a week later, same thing happened with another child. So I just said, I'm staying away from daycare. <laughs> but when the Father, Heavenly Father, through His Spirit, gives you the assurance that you're His, there's an inner peace. There's an inner peace. If you've given your heart to Christ and you're not yet baptized, come talk to Pastor Logan, come talk to me, because it needs to be done. Because the water needs to testify, amen? amen? The water needs to testify that you're a child of God. Your heart has been cleansed and washed by the blood of Christ, and then the Spirit of God comes and say, yep, that one. One is mine. No, no doubt. That one is mine. Mid-1850s, a little baby girl was born. And six weeks after she was born, she was diagnosed and declared blind. But the parents pushed her into many, many activities and found out that she had a love for music and a gift for music. And so by the age of six, this blind girl was composing music. She later attended a school for the blind. And then at 23, at the young age of 23, you know, she, she, she became a professor in that same school. She was also a committed Christian. And someone played, someone played a particular uh, piece of music on the piano. And, and just, just out of the blue, asked her, she said, you know, and, and her friend, her friend played this music, says, I, I, I composed this music, and, and, and asked her, said, what, what, what comes to your mind? She said, play it again. And she played the piece again. Francis Crosby penned these words. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Ear of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission. 
perfect delight. <laughs> Visions. Remember, she was blind. She's blind. <laughs> Visions of rapture. No burst on my sight. <laughs> Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Perfect submission. All is at rest. I, in my Savior, am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story. And I trust it's yours. Amen. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all day long. Let's bow our heads for prayer.